Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. We're headed to the home stretch of football season and basketball is in full swing. And BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the action this year. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code BLEAVE50, B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Oh yeah, everybody, it's time for the Memes of the Weekend podcast here on the Take It Easy podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome in, everybody. It is NFL Week 14. It is post-Heisman week in the NFL, in college football. And yeah, that's where we are here. It's mostly just NFL here today. Uh, we have a little bit of a different format here for the podcast today, which is I just kind of want to talk about three or four games that went down in the NFL, some funny things that happened, and we'll have a uh, we'll have maybe two or three little things here. Also, bringing back a segment from last year that we did, now that we no longer have ACC and Pac-12 jokes to make, I wanted to cap off the podcast with an old friend of the sh- uh, old friend segment which is the forgettable game of the week. We'll get to that in a minute, but first I want to go back to how the weekend unofficially began because weekends kind of can start whenever weekends start. And in this NFL week, I want to just go all the way back to Thursday because the from that moment on when I watched the end of that Steelers and Vikings game, and I say watching the end of Steelers and Vikings, I say it because I only watched the last five minutes of Steelers and Vikings on Thursday. I had a final to take on Friday. I was very anxious about it, and Steelers and Vikings did not help with that anxiety. So as soon as that game happened, I knew... We're saving that for Memes of the Weekend. That is a Memes of the Weekend moment, a rare Thursday discussion on Memes of the Weekend. And now that we're here on Sunday night, dropped on Monday morning, I want to lump in Dallas and Washington into this conversation as well. Because both of these games just triggered the thing that happens in my brain where sometimes in football, you just get a chaos game. And we used to have a phrase for this. It was called a Falcons chaos game, which was the Falcons were mediocre, but they were always chaotic. And now that's been replaced by the Minnesota Vikings. We made the joke on the Take It Easy podcast Instagram account with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman at the beginning of the game, giving the breakdown of Steelers and Vikings. There was no way that game was going to end without something totally chaotic happening. Something stupid was destined to happen in a Steelers-Vikings Thursday night game, you already knew something stupid was going to happen in that game. And lo and behold, it was a totally normal game. It was the Vikings routing the Steelers, which by the way, I picked the Vikings minus three, not in our pick'em pool, but on a separate podcast. Felt very confident that the Vikings would win, that this would be a market correction week for Minnesota, because I feel like Minnesota is a pretty good team. Like similarly to all those Falcons teams of years past, where it's like, They're average, 
but they're also competing against a lot of bad teams for one playoff spot in the NFC. Sometimes the Falcons would get it, sometimes they wouldn't, but it felt like the Falcons always deserved it. Like post-Super Bowl for the Falcons, in the three years immediately after the Super Bowl 51 collapse, the Atlanta Falcons went 24-24. and an eight and eight season, a ten and uh, I'm sorry, a ten and six season, a seven and nine season, and another seven and nine season averaged out to exactly five hundred. They were basically eight and eight every year, which is the thing we used to say about the Falcons. They're going to score thirty points. They're going to give up thirty points. The game's going to come down to the wire, and someone is going to end up scoring a game-winning touchdown. It's a coin flip game every single time, and they win about half of the coin flip games, 24 and 24 over a large sample size. That one year the Falcons were 10 and 6, they won a playoff game against Sean McVay's Los Angeles Rams. The following year, the Rams went to the Super Bowl. For the past two years, the Falcons have been boring. Last year, they were fun because they kept blowing leads all the time. They had so many chaos games. This year, they're just boring and bad, which is not fun. But the Vikings have kind of replaced this role of the Falcons in our lives where the Vikings are not allowed to play normal games. We did this segment on our Instagram about how every Vikings game has just been absolutely stupid this year. It's not every game, but it's a good portion of them. You can go back to week one. Evan McPherson misses the game-winning kick. They go to overtime. Greg Joseph misses a kick. Evan McPherson makes the game-winner for the Bengals. Vikings lose in overtime. Week two, play the Cardinals. Greg Joseph missed the game-winning field goal. Uh, three weeks later, they played the Lions. That game where they fumbled the ball at the end of the game. Lions picked it up, score a touchdown, convert a two-point conversion, and then Kirk Cousins goes down the field in 40 seconds, wins the game with a field goal. Week after that, overtime against the Panthers. K.J. Osborne game-winning touchdown. Week after that, Cooper Rush. Sunday night football. Cowboys beat the Vikings. Did it make any sense? No, it did not. It ended any chance people had of Kirk Cousins being an MVP candidate again. Week after that, overtime game against Baltimore. Ravens win on a last-second Justin Tucker field goal. Two weeks later, the Packers game where they dropped a ga- the Packers dropped a game-sealing interception. Vikings go down, kick a game-winning field goal. Week after that, the 49ers game. Kirk Cousins throws two picks in the fourth quarter. 49ers make a comeback. Last week, they play the Lions. We know what happened. And then the Steelers-Vikings game on Thursday where the Vikings were up 29-0 with two minutes left in the third quarter. And with two minutes left in the fourth quarter, it was 14 minutes and 57 seconds. If we had started in the fourth quarter and gone 15 minutes, there would have been four seconds left on the clock and the Steelers would have scored 28 points. They scored 28 points in one quarter of football. And it was 36-28. This is the second time the Steelers have done this, by the way, where the Steelers' offense just somehow gets life that has not existed at any other time in desperation, and they score 28 points, and they get a pick off. Kirk Cousins completed two passes, two passes in the second half with a 29-0 lead, completed two passes in the second half. The, The Steelers scored four touchdowns in one quarter, and the Vikings then punted back to Pittsburgh with what was the equivalent of one quarter of game time. They had scored four touchdowns 
and had the ball with two minutes left to go, which is why we can declare first and foremost here, Ben Roethlisberger, you get the Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award for this week because it was a true Kirk Cousins Purgatory. It was down eight points, no timeouts, 50 seconds to go, length of the field. The truest of true Philip Rivers slash Kirk Cousins purgatories is what Ben Roethlisberger lived in. And you know what he did? He led them right down the field because the Vikings in prevent defense all of a sudden makes me look up and say, holy crap, Ben Roethlisberger can throw 20 yard completions into windows down the field. What the hell is happening? The reason was the Vikings played prevent defense and it exposed it it, it helped re it helped vindicate in those five minutes of football that I watched. It helped reaffirm what I believed about Ben Roethlisberger, which is Ben Roethlisberger is the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Ben Roethlisberger is QB 23 or 24 at this point in his career. Ben Roth, we called him Jimmy Garothlisberger all last year, and then now it looks sad because he can't throw the ball far down the field until he can throw the ball far down the field, which he absolutely does in prevent defense. Ben Roethlisberger is the worst starting quarterback in the NFL who could still be classified as a starting quarterback. And he can make plays in those moments where he leads them right down the field with no timeouts, 50 seconds. They lose the seven seconds because of the Chase Claypool celebration slash ball rolling away. Maybe that helps them get the win. Maybe it doesn't. But it comes down to one play, and damn it, if they weren't going to throw it to Pat Fryermuth, and he gets both hands on the ball, goes to the ground. You can't see the ball on the broadcast from the camera angle, so it looks like the ball's tucked behind his chest and he has a catch. So for a half second, you're thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to get a two-point conversion to tie. And then you see the ball roll away. You immediately look for a flag because, of course, that's what you do in that situation. You just assume the most chaotic possible thing is going to happen where the Steelers get an untimed down at the one-yard line. But there was no flag. The Vikings did survive, and it was just a what-the-bleep game. Just a chaos game for chaos game's sake. And sometimes we just need a good chaos game in our lives. It would it really brightened up this NFL Sunday because the red zone was so boring in the morning session. It was the Saints kicking ass. It was the Jaguars being terrible. It was the Texans being terrible. It was the Chiefs pounding on the Raiders. There was only one one-possession game during the witching hour of seven games Seven games in the morning session. There was one one possession game, and it was the Seahawks and Texans. You know how that ended? It ended with two consecutive touchdowns for the Seahawks. So even they won by 20 points. No one score games until the Ravens had a meaningless comeback at the very end against Baltimore against Cleveland and then recovered an onside kick, and then Miles Garrett got that strip sack. That was looking a little bit like a chaos game, too, with Tyler Huntley leading the comeback. And then Dallas and Washington happened, which is again just another what the bleep moment. Because we were going to come here and talk about the what the bleep moment for the Steelers and Vikings. I was not prepared for two what the bleep moments in the same week. It's like two weeks ago when we were talking about what makes for a worst game of the season situation. We talked about the four things that make for such a game. It's one team that's very bad. And one team that is just moderately bad. One team that's tanking and one team that's not tanking but is just bad. 
and then you have, well, both teams are bad. One's definitely worse than the other. You have lots of bad plays and points left on the field. Game is close at the end of the game, and teams start doing stupid stuff, proving why they're bad. And I thought we were going to have one of those with the Saints and the Jets, and we had two of them two weeks ago when we were watching the Thanksgiving game between the Bears and the Lions, and then we had a Sunday game after that that I think, oh, Eagles-Giants. It was another one of those games. Both teams we know are bad. Giants are worse than the Eagles. Both teams just keep doing stupid stuff. It's a close game at the end where we get laughable moments. Similarly to like catching lightning in a bottle and two happening in the same week, we had two stupid chaos games between Dallas and Washington because Dallas was up 27-8. to against the Washington football team with five minutes left to go. Five minutes left in the game, up 27-8. to Taylor Heineke's out with an injury. Enter Kyle Allen. Did you forget Kyle Allen was the third-string quarterback on Washington? You probably did. Kyle Allen comes into the game. Kyle Allen scores a touchdown, or at least leads a touchdown drive. I think Gibson ended up scoring the touchdown. But point being, score a touchdown. Go for two-point conversion. Don't get it. Cowboys get the ball back. Still up 12. No, up 13. They're up 13 at this point in the game. And pick six. Pick six by Dak Prescott with four minutes left to go. The only result that could have worked more perfectly for Washington is a pick six on the play right before. It was the second play of the drive pick six by the Cowboys. If you're like me and you had Cowboys minus six and a half in the take it easy pick them pool, I know we didn't say the games for me on the air this week. We got Walters in, we got Blake Jude's in. I forgot to say my picks on Sunday. Trust me, I had the Cowboys minus six and a half. Now all of a sudden it's a seven point game, 27-20, and you're just cowering in fear because you're like, this can't possibly happen. This is a bad beat of bad beats. And the Dallas Cowboys block the extra point to keep it a seven-point game. So all of a sudden, you're just seeing stupid stuff happening all over the place. And this is now into classic chaos game territory. There's a moment where you realize you're in a chaos game. For me, with the Vikings and Steelers, it was when the the Steelers scored the fourth touchdown to make it 36-28. And I had to come turn the game back on because I had not watched a single second of the game all night. And I had to go physically seek out the game and turn it on because they scored four touchdowns in 15 minutes. For the Cowboys and Washington game, it was the blocked extra point after the pick six. That's when you know you're in the middle of a chaos game. Is There's one moment that you just look up and you realize, oh, this is officially a chaos game. The game doesn't end very chaotically. It ends with Dallas punting back to Washington, and it ends with Washington turning the ball over. Cowboys get to take a knee, game over. They get, you know, first down, run out the clock. So it didn't get the same chaos vibe at the very end. But at the same time, you know you're living in a chaos game when you're watching the red zone. And in a game that you thought was over and you were already preparing podcast data for, you start to see pick sixes, blocked extra points, and bad beats all over the place. And that's how you know you're in a chaos game. Both teams usually score in the 30s in chaos games. You know, Washington was working from having eight points in the entire first three and a half quarters, and then in two minutes getting 14 points back. So, you know, or sorry, getting 12 points back. So, you know, sometimes it's going to happen. But 
sometimes you just know you're in a chaos game and we got two in the same week that you just don't know what's happening. And it made me remind myself of our favorites back from 2019 on the podcast. For years, our Falcons analysis was just, when you didn't know what was going to happen, they'll score 30, another team will score 30, you'll flip the coin to decide who wins, then you'll see something stupid happen. It reminded me of that Falcons team. And this Vikings team this year is bringing back wonderful memories of Falcons chaos games of years past. And I hope they keep it all together because I don't think there's anything the Vikings can do to become an elite team, at least not with the cap space situation they have and minimal draft capital. I don't think there's anything the Vikings can do to be great. They've already drafted the generational talent in Justin Jefferson. They just happened to trade Stephon Diggs to make it happen. They could fire Mike Zimmer, but that would mean that they're going backwards and they're trying to get rid of Kirk Cousins and they're trying to blow everything up because they've accomplished the best they can with that version of that team, which they probably have. They've probably accomplished the best they could. They won a playoff game against the 13-win Saints. That's probably the best they can do with a depleted defense that now lost Daniel Hunter for the second consecutive year and an offense that scores points, but you know, doesn't score it enough of proficiency to compete because Kirk Cousins does have his limitations as a quarterback. He's a very good quarterback. He's a franchise quarterback to some, but I don't know if Kirk Cousins is actually good or not. It's very confusing. It's like with Carson Wentz. At a certain point, you just give up trying to figure out whether Kirk Cousins is good or not. Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. The Vikings have probably capped out what they can with that team, but I hope they keep it together so that we can keep having more Falcons chaos games, which are now Vikings chaos games, and much more Kirk Cousins purgatory, because I think nobody has helped fuel this Memes of the Weekend podcast throughout the season, quite like Kirk Cousins and quite like these Minnesota Vikings chaos games. So it's time that we properly addressed what a chaos game is. When you have two in the same weekend and you realize you're in the middle of a chaos game, it's a wonderful feeling. It's a wonderful feeling we can laugh at here on the Memes of the Weekend pod. New sponsor alert here on the Take It Easy podcast. It is Lightbox Jewelry. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, Lightbox Jewelry has cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds that you can find at a light price of just $800 per carat. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off, priced so they won't have to. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox Diamonds. Never a dull moment. So like I mentioned off the top, we've got a little bit of a makeshift Memes of the Weekend podcast here this week. We're doing things a little differently. And uh, because we don't have really five little things, I just want to talk about a couple of funny NFL things that happened over the weekend. Uh, Urban Meyer, we talked about them on the uh, the Sunday episode with the Jaguars dysfunction. Uh, the Jaguars got blanked by the Tennessee Titans. James Robinson had six carries for four rushing yards. And by the way, I think he was the leading rusher on the Jacksonville Jaguars this week. I believe four rushing yards made him the leading rusher on the Jaguars, which is impossibly sad. Uh, the Jaguars 
had most of their yards passing, but Trevor Lawrence had four interceptions against a not very good Titans secondary. Uh, They had eight rushing yards. Good God. Eight carries for eight yards for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Urban Meyer gave one of the worst post-game press conferences I've seen. By the way, it's not like the Titans were scoring a lot of points either. Like, this game was technically still close, but it was just such putrid football that Red Zone would rather show the Kansas City Chiefs mascot dressed up like Paul Blart Mall Cop and highlights of a 30-point drubbing because at least you feel something when you watch the Kansas City Chiefs offense. When you're watching Jaguars and Titans, it's just an emptiness inside. Uh, Again, Urban Meyer cannot make it. Like, If the Jaguars want to set their franchise back years because they want to not pay or I mean we talked about this yesterday like we were resigned to the fact that he was going to stay because Shad Khan didn't want to buy out Urban Meyer's contract and that Shad Khan apparently according to the Tom Palacero report had been waiting three years to hire Urban Meyer and he's not ready to like throw it all away this quickly but even as everything is just going to shit for the Jaguars and Urban Meyer gives one of the worst post-game press conferences you've seen and also uh, has just a death stare of sadness when he's giving a handshake to Mike Vrabel at the end of the game. He's just like wandering like a zombie around the field. If you haven't seen this video, I recommend you go find it because it's really crazy how Urban Meyer is just like a zombie walking off the field at the end of that Jaguars and Titans game. Uh, he's just defeated in the press conference. He, one of, the only question he seriously answered was saying, if you're the person leaking information, you're fired immediately if we find out. Which again, it's like, okay, this was probably not the place or the question to answer it for. Um, Urban is clearly just beaten down by all of this, and they just refuse to show any of their game on the Red Zone channel. By the way, the Jaguars almost had more yards of offense than the Titans. Ryan Tannehill finished the game with no touchdowns and no interceptions and an 80 quarterback rating. Like, Ryan Tannehill did not play well, even against a shitty defense. I know we talked about on the NFL Monday podcast about how when you're playing a defense that has no chance, you can impose your will. The Titans' will was just get through the day. Like, the Titans still have no weapons. Their their leading receiver was Jeff Swaim, Anthony Ferkser, and then Julio Jones was playing, apparently. He, he was their fourth leading receiver, even though he was playing in the game. Like, it's just brutal for the Jaguars, brutal for the Tennessee Titans. Um, brutal for the Jaguars even more because they couldn't even score a single point. And we have no idea whether Trevor Lawrence is good at football. And again, the red zone just refused to show them. They'd rather show uh, dancing Chiefs mascot dressed, dressed as Paul Blart instead of Jaguars and Titans. And also highlights from a 40-point drubbing. Starting a new segment here now that we have uh, now that we have completed our journey across the ACC and Pac-12 this year. We already said Ben Roethlisberger gets the Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award this week for being deep into Kirk Cousins Philip Rivers Purgatory. So the new segment I'd like to begin is updating everyone on the bottomless pit of hell that is the NFC seventh seed because all of these teams are just crap. There are only five good teams in the NFC. The 49ers are good enough to get into the playoffs. They're going to be seven-point underdogs against whoever they face in the first round of the playoffs, whether it's Tampa or the Cardinals. They're just going to get drubbed by whoever they play. 
in the playoffs. Or they're going to be huge underdogs and they'll pull a gigantic upset because of good matchups. But the 49ers, you can pencil them in as the sixth seed in the NFC. I thought it was going to be the Saints. Looks like it's the 49ers because the 49ers have gotten remarkably healthy. And as we listed off the top of the show, George Kittle had 330 receiving yards in two games with 24 receptions. So yeah, 49ers have George Kittle and they have a good zone running scheme and Nick Bosa. They have George Kittle, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, and that's good enough because they're just healthier than the Saints. Uh, The Saints... Washington, Carolina, Atlanta, just crap. uh, The Eagles are in there too. The Eagles were on bye this week and they technically got closer to the NFC playoffs. Just crap all through. But one of those crappy teams is going to get to make the playoffs and get boat raced by whoever is the two seed in the NFC. Similarly to how last year the Chicago Bears were a five-win team that happened to win eight games because DeAndre Swift dropped a touchdown in the end zone in week one. And the Falcons blew a 16-point lead against Nick Foles. And Tom Brady forgot what down it was. Got super lucky in one-possession games. They won eight games. Kyler Murray injured his shoulder. And so the Bears made the playoffs and were 10-point underdogs against the Saints. And lost, I think it was like 24 to three, maybe. Maybe they had three points. Uh, Nine, if you count the garbage time touchdown for Trubisky. Like, they were 10-point underdogs and just got drubbed. It was the worst playoff game of the year. And the Saints killed the Bears, who did not belong. Someone who's not going to belong is going to get the seventh seed in the NFC because all the teams are mediocre. They all have six wins. They're all garbage, but they're all right in the mix because there are only five good teams in the NFC and seven have to make the playoffs. So updating the bottomless pit of hell, let's talk about the Saints and the Jets because... Alvin Kamara was the only good thing that existed on either side of the ball for this game. Uh, the reason that I think the Saints still have a chance to get the sixth seed in the playoffs, despite the fact that they're six and seven and play the Bucks next week, is Alvin Kamara. I think Alvin Kamara can beat the Panthers. I think Alvin Kamara can beat the Falcons. I think Alvin Kamara can beat the Miami Dolphins. And the Saints can get nine wins and win some tiebreakers, and they'll be the seven seed who will get drubbed by Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we are changing their name from this point forward to the New Orleans Camaras because they go as far as Alvin Kamara takes them from this point forward in the season. They scored 30 points today. Alvin Kamara's return was huge for them. I think he had like 140 yards and a touchdown. And the Saints go as far as Alvin Kamara takes them from this point forward for the remainder of the season. They similarly got to kind of impose their will against the Jets, and their will was hide Taysom Hill completely and let Alvin Kamara go for 120 yards and a touchdown and also have a pick six. That also helps. Um, No, they didn't have a pick six, I think. I think Taysom Hill just had two rushing touchdowns, not a pick six. Uh, I was box score watching on that one because that game was boring and the Jets football does not matter at this point in the season. Nobody knows if Zach Wilson is good. I would actually lean to say Zach Wilson is bad at quarterback. I have seen Zach Wilson do very bad things very consistently. I would lean to say he's not a franchise quarterback, but again, it's very early. So we'll figure that out later on. Was not a very fun game. But the New Orleans Camaras are now moving ever so slightly closer to the NFC's seventh playoff seed and escaping from the bottomless pit of hell that is the NFC seventh seed between them, Washington, the Eagles, the Atlanta Falcons, and now eliminated from this mix may just be the Carolina Panthers. 
Speaking of the Falcons and Panthers, this continues the theme of the bottomless pit of hell that is the NFC playoff picture, but to close off this Memes of the Weekend podcast, we have the Forgettable Game of the Week, bringing this segment back from last year, which we kicked off every NFL Monday podcast with, a game that I don't have any analysis for. It existed, it popped up every now and then on the Red Zone channel, and it did not matter at all, because both of these teams we know are below average. Um, the Falcons win 29-21, to and the only difference in the game is, with two minutes left in the first half, it was a 7-7 game, and with the ball at the Atlanta 45-yard line, Cam Newton threw a pick six. If that ball gets dropped, the uh, Carolina Panthers probably kick a field goal right before halftime. That is a 10-point swing, seven off the board for Atlanta, three on the board for Carolina. The Panthers ended up losing by eight points. The Panthers would have won the game if Falcons corner, I think it was Michael Walker, if I remember correctly. If Walker drops the pick six, Carolina wins. If he gets the pick six like he did, Atlanta wins. Both those teams, pretty even, pretty bad. Nothing remarkable happened in the game. You want me to read? Cam Newton, by the way, did get benched, then brought back in. So this is now three quarterback changes in the last two weeks for the Panthers, just going back and forth between B.J. Walker and Cam Newton, which both are backup quarterbacks at this point. Cam finished with a 70 quarterback rating. P.J. Walker finished with a 62 quarterback rating, which is a bitter reality for the Panthers, which is with no with no Christian McCaffrey, both of these guys look like backup quarterbacks. And with Christian McCaffrey... Actually, let's count all three. Let's count Darnold, P.J. Walker, and Cam Newton. By the way, a a trio that they are paying like $40 million for over the next two seasons. Because Sam Darnold's fifth-year option is worth like 18 mil. Cam's making 10 mil this year. Darnold's getting like 8 mil this year. P.J. Walker, whatever his backup-level contract is, you can throw in there. Like all of these backup quarterbacks... With Christian McCaffrey, they look respectable. Without Christian McCaffrey, they all look like backup quarterbacks. 70 passer rating, 62 passer rating. Uh, Matt Ryan finished with 190 yards, also averaging 10 yards a game, which I say also because that's exactly what Teddy Bridgewater averaged, was 190 yards, 19 completions, 10 yards per completion. I think Teddy had 189 instead of uh, 190. So, Uh, One touchdown, no picks. Matt Ryan was Teddy Bridgewater today, and being Teddy Bridgewater was good enough to beat the Carolina Panthers. So, yeah, forgettable game of the week. Neither of those teams are playoff good. We spent all of last week with the Stripe Hype Wednesday laughing at the Falcons because the Falcons are 28th in DVOA offense, 28th in DVOA defense, and are one of the healthiest teams in the NFL this year. They're just terrible. And the Atlanta Falcons win against the Panthers, essentially eliminating the Panthers from wild card contention. Um, not like their season wasn't already over before when they fired Joe Brady during a bye week. Um, but if it, if there were any questions, we can officially slam the door shut on the 2021 Carolina Panthers, the Sam Darnold revenge tour, the Cam Newton revenge tour, PJ Walker revenge tour might as well. Uh, it's all over for Carolina. And that's the forgettable game of the week. And that is the Memes of the Weekend podcast here on Take It Easy. Thanks for stopping in, everybody. If you are interested in more content here, make sure to check out 
uh, the NFL Monday podcast. If you like the Formula One race and Max Verstappen winning a controversial victory over Lewis Hamilton, we don't have that breakdown for you. But if you want to know why Formula One is super popular, check out Wired Up. If you want more about the Jacksonville Jaguars dysfunction, I know I kind of like hinted at it while we were talking about the funny things that happened after the Jaguars got shut out by the uh, Tennessee Titans. If you want more funny stuff about that, check out Wired Up from Sunday. Check out our podcast with Gage Bridgeford last week. Baseball fans, check out our podcast on the lockout. Download all five, download 10, download 20. We appreciate each and every one of you for all that you are doing to support this podcast. With that being said, take it easy, everybody. We will send you out this week in proper fashion because even if it was the forgettable game of the week, the Atlanta Falcons did indeed beat the Carolina Panthers, which means we can play the Carolina Panthers victory song. This is the good part about the Panthers being a lucky team this year in one possession games. Last year, they were ridiculously unlucky in one possession games. This year, they're lucky in one possession games. They're not a good team. They happen to be six and seven. They'll get exposed over the next four weeks and miss the playoffs. It only hurts their draft position. But the good news is, the more they win, the more we can play this parody song to Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire that we made for the Atlanta Falcons a few weeks ago. Because I spent four hours making it. And four hours of effort should be seen in and heard in the light of day as much as possible. Take it easy, everybody, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Harry Douglas, Arthur Blank, Dante Fowler, Michael Vick, Devin Hester Hayden, Hurston Caleb McGarry. Tack McKinley, Deion Sanders, Michael Turner, Grady Jarrett, Austin Hooper, Tevin Coleman, Tony Gonzalez. Warwick Dunn, Brent Grimes, Kyle Pitts, Des Turfont, Left Witch, Julio, Mascot Has Creepy Eyes, Darren Holland, KZ, Maddie won an MVP, AJ Terrell, Duron Harmon, Russell Gage, Vic Beasley, we're the Atlanta Falcons, we're always flying and we keep on trying, we're the Atlanta Falcons, we keep blowing leads but we try to fight it. Steven Jackson, Jalen Mayfield, Dan Quinn, and Shanahan, Jeff, George, Jake, Matthews, Fabian, Moreau, Mike Davis, Ito Smith, Devonta Freeman's Pro Bowl, Jockeys, Rogers, Asante, Samuel, Young Way, Dean Pease, Mike Smith had a winning team, Henry Crockett, Petrino, Calvin Ridley, Jaden Graham, Deion Jones, Tajay Sharp, Daryl is a running back, Chris Lindstrom, D'Angelo Hall, some dude names a Zacchaeus, we're the Atlanta Falcons. We're always flying and we keep on trying. We're the Atlanta Falcons. We keep blowing leads, but we try and fight it. Dirty Bird, bring it back. Roddy White and Alex Mack. Alford, Luke McCown, Super Bowl. Prostitutes, Justin Hardy, Matt Schaub, Atlanta Braves. Baseball beat with an onside kick. Dirt Cutter's an idiot. Corey Peters, Richie Grant, Chris Chandler, Paul Warlow, Lee Smith, Jay Brown, Super Bowl's a no-go, Sanu Brooks, Reed, Mike Pinnell, Matt Hennessy, Dwight Freeney, Toy Lolo, don't score that ball, Todd Gurley. We're the Atlanta Falcons, we're always flying and we keep on trying, we're the Atlanta Falcons, we keep blowing leads and we try to fight it. <laughs>